You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 138 and it is another Friday episode. My name is Clark from 5 Card Guys on Instagram and 5cardguys.com. With me co-hosting, as usual, is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards and John, who is Trade You at Recess on Instagram. Today, we have another special guest interview. His name is Greg Poole, and he's a longtime collector. But what makes him stand out is that he's been buying and selling sports cards for over 20 years now. Uh, Longer than that, but over 20 years uh, where he gives pretty much 100% of his sales back to the community, helping students, seniors, and low-income families with basic supplies and needs. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, we'll get into his story in just a minute, and it's worth waiting for, so stick around. But off the top, I wanted to start by taking the opportunity to read some listener questions and see if we could answer them or help them as best we can. All right, so um, the first one is from Sleepy in Seattle. I know he's written to the show before, and he has another question for us. And the question is, would buying a Shohei rookie card now at this current time be at peak value right (laughs) and if so how much room for growth can one reasonably expect on his cards very good question that is a very good question Mm -hmm. yeah so and there's a part two to this question but let's answer this one first oh man it's a it's a loaded question in my opinion because (laughs) obviously the answer is you know you're buying fomo right now yes and then part of you is saying what happens if Shohei keeps on doing more incredible things, mm-hmm. right? So that's, I think, the original line of thought that most people have. But obviously, we talked about this in previous episodes. Autos are like highly sought after. So there's a huge influx of price, in my opinion, like super, super expensive uh, yeah. to, to be buying Otani right now. But I will say this, with other subsets and other second-tier cards, I still think there are some opportunities, um, you know, with Shohei in certain areas, whether it's like paper parallels, I think they're still underpriced or maybe mm-hmm. like uh, uh, not as inflated as the autos or even like, um, what was it, Topps Heritage, like the black refractors. They won't even sell for the listed price. They've been up there for months. And, right. you know, previous cards like, Soto Acuna cards, those, those were really sought after cards, you know, the black refractors and tops heritage chrome. But in Otani's, it seems like, um, what's really pushing the needle is kind of like the lower end stuff, like the refractors and then the X fractors, mm. um, and then kind of like the autos. So I, I think even though it's still in the uh, midst of, you know, buying high, I think if you're if you do have that FOMO, I think there are some smarter opportunities than um, I guess buying buying at at the peak. So I will say that because I'm always looking for Otani even at peak because my train of thinking is well, he doesn't seem like he's going to stop anytime soon, and he's doing 
more and more ridiculous things. So when is the time right. to buy? Obviously, you know, off season is the right answer, but you know, if you have the itch right now, there might be some some play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. John, what do you think? Yeah, it's a pretty simple answer for me. It's definitely peak hype. I mean, we all know sort of the early early season preseason is is the big time, right? Um, there, we all have to assume there'll be some sort of lull post All Star. I think that's sort of the month where it, like prices start to lull, and that was mm-hmm. the case when Shohei started rocketing up the charts. Was it last year, two years ago? And he went in the home run contest, and after that, prices start to settle. So, um, there will be sort of like a mid season, still fairly inflated price, but certainly less than current, because that currently he's sort of on this. MVP slash Cy, Cy Young pace at the Just same time. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. you know, the upside to this is a quote-unquote peak hype is if he continues this and ends up winning both awards at the end, you know, you could mm-hmm. probably assume that there will be no stop. Like, the, the price will keep going up. But the odds of that, if we're going to play odds, you know, <laughs> Shohei could do it, but that's, that's tough to keep up, keep up for the entire season. So, yeah. Peak hype, uh, definitely. If you're in, uh, if you're in to buy something, it should be in the off season. But I understand what Hyung is saying because for myself personally, I'm trying to find. Not that I would pull the trigger right now because I don't have, I don't have this <laughs> okay. the spend. But I'm, right. I'm personally trying to. I just always look out for like a Shohei uh, rookie red ink, right? Yeah, the real one autos. And I, I let you guys know, like a a, a BGS nine or a BGS eight five, not too long ago, went for like forty one hundred or something like that, which was like pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. That's reason reasonable. Very but, reasonable. Yeah. But yeah. that was still high. that was auction. Like nobody usually people don't run auctions right. on these red inks, right? Um, yeah, true. And then if you look now, I think there's maybe like three to five of them, and like raws are like eight grand. Asking is eight grand. You know, a BGS nine wow. five asking is like fourteen grand or something crazy, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. I get what Hyung is saying. Sometimes that rare card that just doesn't pop up, let's say it just doesn't come for, out. For example, for example, auction. I'll give you a yeah. perfect perfect one, John. There was mm-hmm. a guy who sold, I believe, a Otani foil board. We talk about the foil board mm-hmm. parallel. So number 700, so the white jersey. Uh, and he's, he was selling for like six, 1600 bucks, PSA 10. And right. it's uh, super, super low okay. pop. So, which is really, really reasonable in my opinion, yeah. but those are the paper. But then you look at X Fractors and stuff like that, high, way higher pop. They're they're going through the moon, right? So, right, right. right. Yeah, and I just saw a Shohei um, red jersey vintage, number nine nine ninety nine, and the guy was selling. I think it was like BGS nine five, and he was selling it for fourteen hundred. Yeah. So there's so, reasonable. So price. Reasonable. Seems like a reasonable yeah. price. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. No. Good points, guys. I mean, for me, I'm always. A Bowman Chrome first auto, and you know when you're looking at those cards, that's that's a FOMO buy. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, I'm yeah. always looking at it though, and I'm you know resisting so far, and and then, you know like I check the stats every day, and and then what you're saying, John's like, is he gonna win the Cy Young and MVP this year? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it's too late. It's too late at that point, right? Yeah. But um, but I mean that's the definition of FOMO <laughs> when you think uh, you're gonna miss out on something spectacular like that. So I'm personally staying away although i have a bunch of shohei cards on my watch list is <laughs> this wishful thinking you know maybe i'll drop and you know the the only thing that could potentially happen this season in the short term is that the angels will continue to be a 500 team 
you know, they won't make the playoffs or they'll barely make the wild card and they'll get out. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. It just looks like the Angels are trending that way once again, mm-hmm. right? Nothing which is, new which under is, the sun. Which is disappointing, yeah, with Trout and Otani on that team. But, um, so yeah, I'm looking for that. Uh, part B of this question, it's, it's interesting you bring up the, you know, the, the plays you can make with the different parallels. But his question, I'm going to paraphrase, is, will the high number of, different rookie cards including the different parallels will most of those Shohei rookie cards plummet in value if the hype dies down I I think so absolutely I think there's there's a lot of rookie cards including you know his white jersey red jersey that's the first thing and you could see it Mm. reflected on pricing even parallels are a lot cheaper than Acuna and Soto still in terms of you know value autos like I said are, are inflated they're the ones that are mostly in desired and yeah, um, but going back to the point, I think there's, you know, um, parallels that are are not as rare that are super expensive too. Like, you mm-hmm. know, what I mean, way too expensive, like refractors and you know prisms and all those sepias, kind of like the higher pop pop right. counts. I think I think those will be the first to go and always feel it. That's why I always like buying buying at a reasonable price on a numbered card because I don't think you're going to really, you know, lose out on that volatility as much and you just keep, keep the card for longer cycles. Right. So I like the move of, you know, just numbered parallels in general for that protection. Uh, mm. if, if the market goes the other way. Mm. Okay. Right. I, I think, um, plummet is probably the wrong word. Uh, I, I'm sure he was saying it for a certain effect, but um, yeah, the price will probably crack. I mean, Shohei is building his career and he's c- clearly convincing fans, investors, whatever, that he's the real deal. Re- real deal. He's not going to get injured. Like everything is going to go well. And if he stays uninjured, he is a perennial MVP candidate. He could have a very average season and he'll still probably be in the MVP conversation in some semblance, right? Uh, so his floor is starting to creep up i think in my personal opinion right so would his card plummet probably not but would it correct from you know the bump it's seen in the last two months you know i don't know how much shohei cards have gone up 75 percent or 40 percent or whatever would that correct down to a 20 percent increase since the beginning you know the middle of last off season yeah i could i could see that i could see like a correction rather than a plummet so sure yeah, I guess to be fair, to be fair, I don't know if plummet was his word or my word when I was paraphrasing, but I think I get his point where the modern cards these days have, you know, there's so many rookie cards that right. are available. So uh, I would, you know, you got to do your own research in a sense, right? Like which which rookie cards do you think are valued by collectors over the mid to long term? You know, and all of them might be trending upwards when he's doing ridiculous things, mm-hmm. but some of those cards, especially the lower to mid end um, parallels and rookie cards, they will lose pretty much all their value yeah. when you know Absolutely. when the hype dies down a bit. Right. So you got to be careful with 
that you know the low to mid end but um at the end of the day you do your research and and you know we always say just collect what you love you like the appeal look and appeal of the card even if it does plummet you you have it and it's yours right mm-hmm. so um you can't lose that way but i get it as an investor um yeah you got to kind of do your own research to see like oh what what seems to be selling what seems to be liquid um even at the lower to mid end of the market so i guess that would be my advice and i always okay. I, sorry i always think that there's plays uh, outside of rookie year cards, you know, it, it, you know, there's proof in the past. Look at Trout's cards. Look at what's valuable in terms of older Trout cards that aren't rookie years. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, you could extrapolate the data and kind of do the same kind of like uh, forecast for Otani in his second year. Maybe it's a Topps Chrome rookie cup gold or uh, right. an orange auto or whatever it may be. You know, I think there might be extreme value or potential value in terms of increasing it from an investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's true. I agree. All right. Uh, Sleeping Seattle. Thanks for that question. Appreciate it as, as always. Uh, this next one's from Josh Clapham. I think we answered one of his questions in a previous episode, but this is kind of a fun one. I think uh, he asks, would you crack a one of one and resubmit it knowing it will make the card a pop two? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, first i don't think i would i would crack crack and resubmit a one of one to us the same company right so i i've done it before where i had a max verstappen one of one in a in a bgs slab and i went into a psa slab right so uh, to me it was like that made sense but it never i i I would never regrade a one of one at the same grading company because they Mm. already know what they've graded like you're rarely gonna, exactly. you know, get the bump. They're they're basically saying, you know what, we screwed up the first time, so yeah. we got you. you know? Yeah, yeah. Or or out of spite, they give you a lower lower yeah, grade. Exactly. <laughs> and that's happened. I've seen it to done done to somebody on Facebook recently. Oh, actually, brutal. with BGS, they got they got their grade down downgraded. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's a pretty simple one because I I was thinking about this and you made you made my point already that if you do resubmit it to the same grading company, don't expect to get a better grade because you know they know what they they graded, graded yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. all right. Um, uh, last question from Kenny Tomek, a friend of the podcast. Uh, he asks, "What are our general thoughts on getting the PSA auto grade? Is it worth it?" John, you can go for this one. I know what Young's gonna say. um yeah short answer for me yes it's worth it um you know if you're gonna uh, just if you're gonna authenticate your card and just grade the auto i mean first of all make sure none of us are pros but with your naked eye make sure the card the auto looks like it's gonna hit a 10 like no no streaks very like solid ink or whatever you have to look at because I think if you if you get that PSA nine, that's gonna kill you. So make sure the grade is a ten. If you think it's a ten, is it worth it to authenticate and just have the grade ten? I think so because there is a visual appeal of seeing that number ten, even though it's not nothing to do with the card. I think psychologically, it still helps make the appeal of the card pop a lot better. And we, I'll let Hyung, you know, I'll save it for Hyung. But we have obviously a friend who submitted. With, with a similar idea and it, I think it makes the card look a lot better seeing that number 10 so the, the but, but John, 
Yeah. The Otani, yeah. But John, I mean, I, I don't think he just meant like um, the card is authenticated, but just say the card itself has a PSA 10. So would you try kids. to get... Oh, would you just... 10, 10. Oh, would you generally get 10, yeah. 10? Oh. Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah. Like, I it's a okay. it's an absolute yes for me if you look at the the auto and it looks like it's going to be a 10. But that's a tough call because, Hyung, you've, you've had... I remember you I've, sent in a couple of Bowman Chrome first and... It was like I've a perfect it. auto, and you didn't I've get the ten. I've done it before. I've gotten a nine before. The nine Ooh. is killer, though, on the auto, man. Brutal. I, had I personally hate seeing nines. I had, on I had a ten Gemmint ten Tatis and auto nine. Right, mm-hmm. that auto nine bugged me. It wasn't even auto. It was one of the cleaner autos too. But then I I tried cracking it because I wanted authentic auto. Yeah. At, at that point, right, because it was a IP auto. And then they gave me a nine authentic auto out of a ten nine slab. <laughs> and, but then yeah. I, I that's that's when that was my light bulb point when I realized, you know, my love for PSA. That was the <laughs> that was in the mix in the midst of the, that that hype. Yeah, I was yeah. so yeah, it doesn't make sense. Anything doesn't make sense. But I will say this. Most people who uh, receive uh, a non-auto grade, they submit it in bulk, usually $30 submissions, right? So Mm -hmm, let's just say you submit a Bowman Chrome, you get a PSA 10, and basically that was 30 bucks. So a lot of people know that like single grades, they don't hold as much value. Like if it's a dual auto grade, you'd have to actually submit it yourself or at least an upgraded service, you know, the, the, the seller usually, if it's a 1010, they're going to charge a premium for it because it's a lower pop. Not more people are doing it because it costs more. There's a lot more gamble to it because now mm-hmm. you're, you're paying like 70 bucks instead of 30 bucks or right. whatever it costs for a dual grade. And then you're, you're not doing it in like a, any sort of bulk submission, right? So, uh, yeah. I think there's a premium to it. Uh, I usually, um, like John said, you know, just really inspect the auto, make sure it's a 10. And if it, if it has a chance to grade well as well, I don't necessarily like, uh, uh, auto nine or sorry, uh, a PSA nine auto 10, but it is better than a just straight up PSA nine slab in my opinion, especially mm-hmm. if it's a meaningful card in Bowman. Let's just say it's like an orange of like a Drew Jones or whatever. And then, you know, it, it doesn't 10, you want the 10, 10 obvious, but uh, a nine ten, I think, is just as good on that card, on that specific card, right? So it's all dependent on the type of card too. Uh, when I do a dual auto grade, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? To me, generally, uh, and I think I messaged Kenny back for, um, directly, but generally, it's not worth it for me, especially if right. it's already in a PSA ten slab. Like, it's not worth it to go through the extra hassle and and then you know take a the gamble essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that it wouldn't come back at ten, even if you think it's a clean auto. Like Hyung is a testament to that. Right. Um, and you know, like if you look at the price comps, like you got to look at each card individually, right? Like some ten tens, dual ten tens that have actually sold, like it's not a huge bump. And whereas other cards, there are a huge bump. You know, mm. like it, it, there's no like ratio that's right. common from PSA 10 to dual 10 tens. Right. It really right. depends on the card. So do your research. If it's like a small bump in value, then obviously it's not worth it. Yeah. But 
if you see that, oh wow, like there's a dual 1010 of this card and it's consistently at a 2x uh, value, then then maybe it's worth it. I think so, it usually like the higher end Bowman Chromes is where where it, the sure. value really lies with the dual yeah. auto. Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. But I think we're I think we're all in agreement that if you get an auto nine, it destroys the value. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the ugliest thing to see on the slab. I, I think there are examples, and these are more on the high end. There are examples where, in my opinion, the auto grade doesn't matter at all, period. And and mm, yeah. one extreme example is if you hit like a logo man auto in a flawless yeah. box. Like people right, right. on the high end scale for those cards, it'd be great if you submitted it and you got like a PSA nine or pretty good put it pretty good actual grade for the card. But on those types of cards, people literally don't care if the auto's a sure. nine or an auto's a ten. So in those instances, yeah, I, I think there are instances where it's not worth it at all. But if it, like Clark, you're kind of saying, if it is something that's more liquid, like a card that we kind of spoke on this last week, um, that Neo Cards and Comics was saying, like end user, if it's a card mm. that's just going to, you know, go around the musical chairs, like a Bowman first Chrome of like a pretty high prospect, that's where a 1010 would come in, come into play and just keep, you, you take that, those profits, right? So, yep, yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, we always appreciate the questions. And if you have one yourself, Follow this podcast on Instagram. We have our account. It's at cards to the moon, all one word. And you can just DM your question there. We'll take a read and hopefully we'll address it in a future episode. All right, let's play the interview now with Greg Poole. After listening to what he's been involved with and if you want to help out, uh, we, we will put a link to his website in our show notes below. All right, enjoy the interview. With me today on the podcast is Greg Poole, who is the founder of Cans Can Ministries based in Southern Illinois, which he began in the early 2000s. And we'll get into how it all started, but what's cool about Cans Can Ministries is that it's a nonprofit organization which is funded primarily by the sales from Greg's own sports card collection and memorabilia. And 100% of those sales goes directly to helping local schools by donating computers and school supplies, as well as helping assisted living centers by donating things like free beds, bedding, and clothes, just to name a few items. We definitely need more good news hobby stories like this. So without further ado, Greg, thanks for coming onto the pod today to share your story. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's start from the beginning. Even before you began Cans Can Ministries, when did you first get into sports cards? Uh, as soon as I could ask for something at the store. Uh, so uh, when, my, when my mom and dad used to take us anywhere, my sister always wanted candy. And I guess to pacify me, they always asked what I wanted. I guess I, didn't, I never liked candy that much. And mm-hmm. so I would always get cards. So, um, so from the age of probably four on, um, wow. those are probably still up in my parents', parents' attic. So uh, getting weaned on the 88 Donruss, <coughs> 88 right. Tops, and then the yeah, never really never stopped yeah yeah i think um a lot of people we interview on the show are we're in that similar age range between 35 to 45 so we definitely grew up in the junk wax era so i'm I'm guessing you don't have a lot of valuable cards uh from when you collected as kids either uh yeah no no (laughs) um the 86 donris jose canseco isn't gonna pay for my uh, my kids college education like I thought it was. Yeah. Um, nobody's looking for the 87 Will Clark in bulk anymore. 
but yeah, there, it's, it's, it's definitely memories, but the uh, the value isn't uh, what you would think it would be, or what I thought it was going to be. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, 86 Donruss Conseco is one of my favorite cards, so uh, definitely have uh, memories Yeah, on that. that was, when I was in grade school, that was a real status symbol. If you had the 86 <laughs> right. Conseco, man, you, you your collection was top-notch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, now from your love of sports cards at an early age, um, how did you come up with the idea to start CanScan Ministries? Yeah, so um, so growing up, I had some pretty tra- uh, traumatic events and uh, had, had real issues with depression, uh, PTSD, and really, so by about 16, well, not about 16, at 16, hmm. um, I decided that you know I, I was going to commit suicide, and obviously I failed in that attempt. Um, but one of the things that I did before, uh, is my like final act was, um, we had done, uh, meals on wheels through high school, through our student chamber. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I grabbed a couple 5,000 count boxes out of my room, uh, went to some buddies, went to some local card shops and, and sold what I could. And, um, I went back and, uh, I went back to all the people that we had on our meals on wheels, uh, route and just dropped off food for them. Right. Uh, told them all bye, and and tried tried to do what I tried to do, uh, failed obviously, and uh, got back in my truck and looked around and, and saw that I had these boxes left and thought, man, I guess I guess I'm here for something. So really, since the age of 16, which is beginning to be farther and farther and farther away, mm. uh, so it'd be, it'd be 23 23 years this October, um, we've officially or unofficially started and. Uh, honestly, we've we've grown leaps and bounds. I think our first actual project was we bought um, an elderly person a set of tires. Okay. Um, and and so, it, but it, that was just the first thing that we did after we I formally started or unafor- un, informally started, sure. I guess. Um, and then we have just really grown. Uh, we started in schools with some local classrooms. Yeah. Um, We've really, um, so our coverage area school-wise is 120 miles north and south, 130 miles east to west. So wow. we, we cover the, bo- the bottom half of the state of Illinois Amazing. and then river to river. Yeah. So at last count, we're over 370 classrooms and 67 school districts. Amazing. Um, so that was our bread and butter. Yeah, that was our bread and butter for a while. Uh, COVID really um, brought the need or the attention to the need for seniors in our community. A lot of them were shut-ins and a lot of Mm. them, um, a lot of their caretakers weren't able to get out as well because they were in that vulnerable age. And so um, we had a lot of people contacting us that they couldn't, they weren't able to get food, they weren't able to get supplies, they weren't able to get toiletries. And so initially um, we partnered with a lot of local restaurants and we started uh, having them deliver food. Uh, because they weren't open, they were only able to do delivery. Right. Um, so that really worked out well for both of us. Um, once COVID, I guess COVID's ended, or once it once it lightened up and restaurants were able to reopen, they stopped delivering. And so actually, we prepare the meals now uh, mm. twice a week, and we deliver we deliver them ourselves. Um, and then we do assisted living facilities. Um, same thing. Yeah. A lot of them are in extreme, they're on extremely fixed incomes, and so we go in usually monthly. Um, and we do what we call a free market. We'll give away anything from toilet paper to deodorant, denture cleaner, whatever they need. Sure. Um, we like we do fun activities with them. Uh, we usually get well. We don't usually for the past four years we've given them a Christmas list 
Um, they're allowed to ask for anything, anything that they want. Um, and really, whatever they put down, we get. I mean, sometimes they ask for TVs, but we get them TVs. They don't have a TV. Wow. Um, some people, we had one. I mean, some just want a pizza. One guy asked for a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> okay. And so instead of just getting him a pizza, we decided to have a pizza party for the whole, uh, awesome. whole uh, residential area. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot with that. Um, we do foster care work. Um, social workers will contact us and say, hey, this kid's been removed from the home. They need beds. They need clothes. They need shoes. And then we'll buy and and take it to them. Uh, actually, that's what I'm kind of multitasking here. I'm following a UPS truck that's actually delivering beds now to a, a home in Illinois. Okay. So we're always doing, we're always doing that stuff. I mean, honestly, um, I, our, our unofficial motto is, yeah, we'll do that. Um, so in our area, right. in our area, the social work, um, social work or social care is kind of limited. And so we really don't pin ourselves down to one particular, um, segment of the population. Yeah. Um, I've always said, if you're going to, if you need help and you ask for help, we're going to get you help. Yeah. That's amazing. And so that's like, that's like, that's like the last 23 years and, you know, in, in 25 seconds. Right. Um, but yeah, so you, you did mention before, so about 70, uh, I calculated it the other day, just under 78% of our funding comes from our card shop. Is that right? Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious how, like, it's an incredible story how it began and just, um, over the two decades of hard work and labor and was it an incremental thing or like, how did it become where it is now? It, yeah. So honestly, it, it, from for a long time, it was incremental um, because really, I had no idea what I was doing, and honestly, I still really don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. A lot of a lot of days, we fly by the seat of their pants. So I don't have a social work degree. I'm not I'm not technically uh, you know I have a business management degree. So we kind of just do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, it was incremental, and really, in the last probably 10, 12 years, it's just. I don't want to say spun out of control because that makes it sound like, it, you know, but it's really blown up in the last 12 years. Mm. Um, and we've just expanded. And like I said, um, yeah, cards has been the reason that we've been able to do that. Yeah. And even, even during COVID, um, it boomed for us yeah. like it did everybody in the business, right, right. Um, which, which was a complete and total godsend because, mm. There were so many. There were just so many more needs um, that when we initially started getting these requests, I thought, "Holy cow! Like, there's no way we can keep up." Yeah. And then we started we started putting stuff online that were selling for prices that I couldn't really even dream of. Right. And I was happy, absolutely happy to sell them. Sure. Um, there were the the best story I have is we had a Russell Wilson and I don't remember if it was a Topps Chrome or a Prism but we had a rookie variation refractor and literally in my books I was going back through I bought it for two fifty like I don't know and I, whatever his rookie year was I can't think of it off the top of my head yeah. and I had it in our showcase I had it in our showcase for six dollars couldn't sell it for two years I put it up in a box I looked online and there were some that were selling for like three or four hundred dollars and I thought hey, wow absolutely well. Busted out, yeah. and it ended up selling for like nine ninety six. I think was the price on <laughs> oh that. Oh my! So like, so like it really like everything kind of spun out of control together, and so it really worked. So it really worked out well for us. Yeah, that's, um, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, like I said, in the last 12 years, we really just picked up, like I said, the foster care, the seniors, not just the classrooms. Um, our, our goal, especially with the classrooms and the social workers, is we want to be able to empower the people that make the changes. Like, we can't make changes individually. You know, with 360 classrooms, you know, average classroom size in this part of this, our state's 30, 30-ish. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're talking 10,000 kids. We couldn't get to those 10,000 kids, right. so we'd rather get to the teachers that make that day-to-day -day impact and give them the things that they need to, to do what they do. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. And it, it's funny how things turn out when the pandemic started, uh, all the businesses shut down, but then of course the hobby just exploded. Along with that, along with that, the needs of people exploded and it kind of um, worked together, I guess, for, for you um, just to be able to make that money and, and use that money to help others, right? And it really did. And, the, and what really scared us is, uh, so when we moved into our, our uh, so for a long time, for a lot of times, I'm sorry, for the first 15, 20 years, we did, we did shows, mm -hmm. we did online sales. So we never really had that physical store. So we actually signed the lease uh, on our HQ. It's a lot of different things. So we just call it the HQ yep. um, in March of 2020. So on March 7th, I, I believe, I don't have the exact date, but 1st of March, we signed the lease. And then March 22nd, in Illinois, they signed the, 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 it was every quarantine. Right. So 15 days after Jeez. we opened, we, we couldn't be opened. And so it oh was goodness. like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, what are we? So yeah, so on, like I said, online really went crazy. And that was, that was to our benefit to the extreme. Yeah. Well, when you first said you had the, um, you got the Russell Wilson for 250 I thought you were talking about $250, but you're talking about $2.50. No, Literally, I spent two dollars and fifty cents on it. So nine nine hundred ninety four dollars profit is not not a bad. Thing. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That just shows you how insane the yeah. hobby hype was over the last couple of years. But yeah, and you know, honestly, after I sold that, I think a month later the comps went all the way back down to like one twenty, and now yeah. I think it's like back in the thirty or forty dollar yeah, range. Such a roll, so crazy. roller coaster, yeah. Um, you talked about your store actually that you opened up. Uh, well, you technically opened up three years ago and, and then the pandemic hit. But um, is, is it up and running now? I guess everything's starting to open up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are up and running. Yeah. Um, this is not my job. So nobody gets paid to do anything with us. I don't get paid. So we're open on the weekends. I'm an IT manager by trade. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so we're open the weekends. We do open. Um, if, we, if we get a call from a foster parent, we do kind of some emergency opens. Um, right. Yeah, so usually usually every Saturday, Sunday through the year, and then the summers are different for me since I'm off. I'm in education, IT and education, so okay. we do open up a little more in the summer. Okay. Um, we do open up. We, we do trade nights with kids. Um, we do allow the foster parents that we serve to come in uh, during some evenings, and they can shop by themselves. And you know, within reason, we usually just let them take whatever that they, they want for free. Cool. So, yeah. And you mentioned um – uh, it's not a full-time thing for you, but is the shop, so the people that help out, are they all volunteers as well? Everybody's a volunteer, yeah. Nobody wow. gets paid. So um, about 90, 96.4 cents of every dollar goes 100% of 96% for us. sound like that. But 96.4 cents of every dollar we raise goes back into the programs. Right, right. Uh, the other five and a half, four and a half, five and a half cents goes into rent. Um, but yeah, we, we don't, we don't even do reimbursements. If people drive meals, they drive it on their own dime. Mm. So yeah, we, like I said, what little doesn't go back into actually serving people, it goes into our rent and our electricity, things like that. No, that's, that's awesome. And, and I imagine the reception, um, 
in your community? It's, it's, has it been has it been growing in terms of people knowing about what you what you guys are doing there? It has been growing. Uh, yeah. So it's it's it's. Um, yeah, let me try and think. I'll say this: It's definitely a give and take. So the more people that find out what we do, right. uh, we have a lot more like state, we have a lot more state agencies calling us now for help than have been huh. before. So it's kind of we try, we try to bring that up together. So the more that know what we do, we try to get more into the shop. It's right. so it's always that uh, weighted scale that you have to balance. Sure, sure. Um, I'm curious how you um, keep things afloat. I know I know there's a lot of work involved, but with the sports cards being a, uh, a big part of um, where the funding comes from. So is it essentially you, you buy and sell on your own and, and the profits go towards uh, the programs that you're running through CanScan? Yeah, yeah. So everything uh, that we have available in our shop is for my own personal collection. So yeah, we're constantly, mm. well, I say we're, I'm constantly buying, constantly trading, constantly trying to keep inventory up. Yeah. Um, it's not been too bad. I mean, the only part that's hard is you really can't hold on to things uh, sometimes to reach peak value, uh, because I just mentioned the beds earlier. Uh, right. We had been kind of hoarding some, some Jokic and some uh, Murray and some Porter Juniors and some <laughs> rookies and those guys. And really, I mean, peak value you would assume is coming in the next week or two. Yeah. Um, but we just had we just had needs come up. They were the they were our, our quickest access to the amount of money that we needed to to, to help these kids. So we we sold them. So sometimes you can't reach peak value, but I mean, it, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it could be tricky sometimes for sure. I'm just, I'm just also curious, like, how do you find the time to do this? Like I do hobby content and, uh, you know, I have uh, two young kids, but, um, just to know what you're doing, it doesn't even compare to what I'm trying to handle on my own. Yeah. So, um, I don't sleep much, which is fine. Um, but okay. also my, my kids and my, my family definitely help out. A bunch. Yeah. Uh, my kids are constantly. We've we've made them a room up at our shop. Uh, my daughter likes Pokemon, so she's got her own case mm-hmm. where she'll she does what I do, but she does it with Pokemon cards. Nice. Um, my son, we laugh, is our unofficial greeter. He likes to shake hands and hug everybody that comes in. Awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, so a lot of time that we do this, we're together as a family. So it's not me just doing it on my own. It's not me being away from my family. So. Mm. A lot of late nights and then a lot of hauling a five and an eight year old up to uh, hug old people. My daughter calls them their old people friends. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so they like to come up there. So it, yeah, it can be you know that that could probably that's the hardest part maybe is just is finding times. Yeah, for um, sure. Because a good day at the shop means that the cases are empty and there needs to be things in there. So yeah. um, it means probably staying up a little bit later uh, on message boards on eBay, trying to find things to put back in the shelves. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Great to hear. And um, you already mentioned a few programs that you run. I think the Teacher Resource Center, that's housed in the shop as well, where teachers can come in yeah, and so take in supplies. Part, yeah. So in the front part of our shop um, is our shop. The front part of our building is the shop. Right. Uh, in the back part, we call it the Teacher Resource Center. So we have um, three rooms set up that are um, with shelves. Um, we carry everything from backpacks to clothes mm-hmm. to pencils, really anything a teacher needs for a classroom. Yep. And they're allowed to come in and shop free of charge. Um, same with foster parents, same with social workers. We have a room that has diapers and bedding, um, uh, deodorant, shampoo. I'm just trying mm. to think off the top of my head. But anything that they may need. Um, they're allowed to come in. The only thing we ask from them is they just sign their name in the school district that they're from right. and they can take what they need for their classrooms, for their foster kids, 
uh, for whoever they're serving. So that's in the back part of our shop. So they have to walk through the front to the to the cart area to get to that that part. But yeah, so we run. We, we, I think we've officially changed it to the resource center. I mean, okay. You know, if you want to get specific, my daughter says, "Dad, they're not just teachers anymore." <laughs> it's true, it's true. So we'll, so you, can't, <laughs> you can't call it the resource center, Dad. That person's not a teacher. So we, she just renamed it the resource yes. center. So yeah, we do that. Um, we have a spot in the back where we keep the things for our elderly, for our senior citizens. Okay. Um, the denture cleaners, diapers, things like that that don't necessarily fit with the teachers. But sure. yeah, we try to keep it fully stocked. Um, that itself can be another full-time job. Mm. Um, depending on the day or the weekend, we can host up to as many as 50 to 60 teachers. Um, average teacher leaves with about $200 worth of items. Wow, um, wow. Yeah, so that can get challenging at times too. But, you know, like I said... We're, we're still here. Um, sometimes it's by the skin of our teeth, but uh, like I said, this, as long as we keep going, we keep getting stories like the Russell Wilson card. I mean, um, a lot of I, I, I'm I'm a cheap autograph hog, and so mm. a lot of sometimes I'll hit I'll hit on on somebody that I got an autograph box that you know I paid a dollar for. I'm able to sell for a lot more. So yeah, yeah. No, no. I was going to ask you about that because um, when the hobby was booming, it, it was a lot. Things were a lot easier in terms of flipping. But um, I guess um, it's a, it's a bit trickier now, even for every collector and investor um, in the game still. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, right in COVID, I, you could literally sell anything. <laughs> right. I mean. I was amazed and I just kept thinking it can't be this good forever. And I, I guess we were right. But mm. man, while it was good, the, 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 it was good. Yeah, it was. And, and uh, yeah. Um, and, and we kind of served a different need in that, in that we, we had a lot of retail flippers in our area. Okay. And not that there wasn't any, not anything wrong with that. Um, but we had a lot of kids that were coming or a lot of parents messaging us saying like, Hey, we can't, you know, once they were able to get back out into the Walmarts, they're like, we can't, we can't find this for right, our kids. Right. And so we would put together, we would put together boxes for them and, you know, give them some pages and some, some binders and things just to, you know, keep the kids interested in the hobby. So I think at last count, um, we've given away somewhere in the $5 million range, wow. uh, 5 million cards, sports cards. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. We go through a lot of, we go through a lot of inventory. Yeah. I was going to ask you because I think I read on your website uh, you did a sports card giveaway program. Do you guys still do that, or we do that? So we are in our local. We, we're in a couple local libraries uh, where a kid checks out a book, and if they turn in just a short few sentence paper on what the book was about, they'll get a pack of yeah. cards. Um, we'll do it with teachers. Very similar with teachers if they if the kids read a book or whatever kind of uh, reward. Some of them do it for academic. Some of them do it for like social. Like hey, if you mm-hmm. don't talk this week to your neighbor. So we do a right. lot with that. Um, we, we go, we, we, uh, I'll spit it out here. Uh, local sheriff's departments will take mm-hmm. them to domestic calls, uh, take it on like the dare program, those kind of things. So yeah, we, we pretty much saturated the community. Um, uh, we get a lot of requests for those. Sure. It's, it's crazy. And it's good. It's good. I'm glad that kids are still into those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of requests from a lot of different places. Like I said, schools, um, We'll usually, if um, we'll do, uh, if a kid gets removed, we'll do a backpack and, and we'll put underwear, change of underwear, change of socks. And we'll usually put, uh, mm-hmm. we'll ask him if they like Pokemon basketball and we'll usually slip a couple packs of cards yeah. and they're torn too. So very cool. Yeah. We, we, 
yeah, constantly giving away stuff. Yeah, no, I love to hear that because, you know, in the hobby, we always talk about how do we get the kids more involved and, and what you're doing seems to be um, a great thing. And if we want the hobby to grow, we need the kids to be a part of it for sure in the future. Yeah, the next generation has to be interested yeah. or, or when we... When- when we get older, there's not going to be that next generation to pick up the tab. Right, for sure, for sure. I know, I'm sure this nonprofit has meant a lot to those benefiting from your generosity, but I'm wondering what, what has this meant for you personally? You know, uh, when you look at yourself back to when you started at 16, you're going through a dark period of your time and uh, what it's turned to and the amount of work you put in seems like you still have um, satisfaction and joy in being part of this ministry. Uh, what has it meant to you? Yeah, so when growing up in the in kind of the chaos and, and trauma, like we had a local card shop uh, the next town over mm-hmm. uh, called Fielder's Choice. It was kind of like my sanctuary. That was kind of that quiet place where you can kind of reconfigure your brain. And so it feels good. I mean, it feels good for me that I can recreate that for other people. I mean, and it's not with our reach. It's not necessarily the people that come in the shop. And we always encourage like kids to come in like and. and ask a million questions like if you cool. i mean there's no silly there's no silly questions if you want to talk sports if you want to talk cards you could talk pokemon but you have to talk to my daughter um <laughs> right. so we want to you know we want to recreate that environment um we don't want to be that shop that wants your money and not every shop is but you know we don't want to have a few high-end things that price kids out of it right um so to be able to recreate kind of that like i said that sanctuary to where people can come in and just, you know, for as long as they're there, they're only just thinking about, ba- you know, baseball cards or basketball cards yeah. or whatever. And then, and then, like I said, now we've kind of created this umbrella where we've brought this sanctuary or whatever you want to say to other people mm. and just bringing more people into the fold. Um, it's been good. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes in 22, 23 years, there are times when you are a little burnt out. There are times uh, I laugh sure. when I'm on eBay and think everything just looks the same and it's like i don't even want to buy anything right now like yeah you know and um you know and there's sometimes there's late night calls and 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 that can initially when you get a call at two in the morning it's not sometimes the most pleasant thing to answer but um yeah just hear the voice on the other end um the other night we got a call where a um a grandparent had to take in her three kids, three grandsons, because her daughter had passed away and her husband had to quit work because he had stage four neuroblastoma and she needed a bed. They said that, you know, the state said they couldn't take the kids until they had a bed. And so, you know, that's the stuff that keeps you going because no matter what, you know, like I said, it's an inconvenience to wake up at two in the morning sometimes, but then you get that call and you realize, holy cow, the person on the other end is not only up at two in the morning, but they're dealing with something just completely worse. Yeah. So that keeps you going. And then in the end, like, I I mean, I can have a hobby that my wife doesn't care about. I mean, long time ago, she she used to sometimes give me, give me a little flag when, you know, packages would come in the mail and a couple, eh, probably five years ago, um, (laughs) a box of, of uh, WWF replica belts that had been signed came in and she opened it up and she looks at me and she goes, I don't want to know. I don't care. She said, she said, I know you're, something good is going to come for these. And yeah. she goes, just do it. Amazing. So, you know, like I said, I, 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 can, I can have a hobby. I can bring my family in. My kids love to do it. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, and they're, they're just, you know, and it's a learning experience for them too. You know, one of the things that we always try to preach to them is we're going to come across people in all walks of life doing this. Mm-hmm. And we're not just going to come across the people coming in our shop, want to spend money. Um, but you know, safety, barring any safety concerns, we generally take them along with us. They deliver meals with us when they can, when they're out of school. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's, if it's something that we can take them to, we don't generally don't take them to like domestic situations or those kind of sure. things, but you know, we, we're exposing them, um, to life as well. And I mean, we wouldn't have that ability without this shop. Yeah, no, I'm glad, I'm glad, um, to hear that. And I love your perspective, but yeah, I love the story. Uh, before I let you go, I just had a few more questions that are a little bit more hobby specific. Um, sure. just wondering, uh, who do you like to collect personally as a, as a, just a sports car collector? Yeah, so my personal collection is dwindling. As I've, I've always said, like everything has a price on it. So if, yeah. if somebody comes in, I'm going to sell you an item. So growing up, I was always a fan of kind of the oddball guys. So I have a, I have a gigantic Greg Olson collection. Okay. Um, you know, pit four, pit, yeah, I have a Greg Olson collection, uh, right. Vaughn Hayes, mm-hmm. uh, and Willie McGee. I'm trying to think who else. Those were the three main ones growing up, and I have no idea why I started – collecting either of the three right. other than I love, you know, obviously Greg Olson's name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I still have those, um, at the shop, we do have a couple displays that I guess is my personal collection. So we like to keep, um, cards or items from the high schools or the schools that we serve in our area. Um, so we do have items like Doug Collins is from my hometown. Hmm. Um, Jerry Sloan's a couple towns over. Those oh, are cool. some of the more famous ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll, yeah. So if we come across those kind of items, we have a case on, that's mounted on the wall that we do, do, we do display items from local high schools, local, you know, towns. Nice. Um, as far, uh, and then, um, I have a few items. So I, I went to SIU Carbondale, so I'm a big Missouri Valley conference fan. So mm-hmm. anybody that played in the Valley, uh, we've got a couple Kyle Corver jerseys hanging up, okay. Doug McDermott. So things like that. Um, so I would say, like, my personal collection is, is, is great for me. Yeah. Um, maybe, not great for, maybe not great for the retail value. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you, could, <laughs> you could collect as many cards as uh, those players as you want. I, I, can, I can go online. I think the other day I purchased, there was a lot of 250 Greg Olson, 89 Donners <laughs> rookie cards for like, like a dollar. And, you know, I was like, why not? Why not just get them some more in the 5000 like, uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, everyone's got their PC. We know the Nationals in Chicago this summer. I'm not sure how far you guys are from Chicago. Are you guys planning to attend the Nationals this year? Or? So we're about six and a half hours south of Chicago. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so we, we did, so I did go two years ago. Um, that That is kind of a dream to, to be set up at the National. Um, it's one of those things that we really have to weigh the cost sure. of everything versus what, you know, it's really hard sometimes. We do local shows. We do a lot in St. Louis still, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard sometimes to justify a thousand dollars for a table, thousand dollars for a hotel right. room when you have, when you have people calling and saying I need a bed, and I could buy ten beds for that. So that that would be a long shot dream. We may go up there. There's a train uh, around our area that runs up there. We'll probably go up there to visit and shop. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, long term long term goal is to be just to be at a national. Yeah. No, no, it adds up for sure. I, and I, 
Uh, I thought you'd be closer to Chicago, but six and a half hours isn't a short ride either. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, a lot of times when people tell when we say we're from Illinois, they they assume right. Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. You know, we're we're, we're a My little bad. south of Chicago, and that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, we're we're based out of Canada, so yeah, our U.S. geography isn't as great. But I um, uh, <laughs> hope you can forgive me. <laughs> no, no, no problem. All right, um, last question. You know, for the people listening to our episode, um, is there a way for fellow collectors to help or contribute in some way to the good work you're doing uh, through yeah, CanScan? So, oh, yeah. That would be a, an incredible blessing to us. I mean, just inventory. One of the hardest things for me is to go on Twitter mm. and see people that are like, hey, if it's under $2, I just throw it away, or $3, I just throw it away. Like, we'll, we'll take it. We're a 501c3, mm-hmm. so if you choose to donate, you can. We are a tax-deductible donation. Um, we do take anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a million dollar card. We just take commons and those commons go out to kids. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you've got 5,000 count boxes or even just, you know, team lots laying around that you don't know what to do with, yeah. I'd like to encourage you to, you know, that would be a, that would be huge to us. Um, one of the things we've struggled with, I think is, is kind of broadcasting that need out mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, any kind of items we're always looking, um, like I said, if it doesn't go in the shop, we, we give it away. Yeah. Um, and if it's, and if we can't give it away, we've got a couple life skills classes in the area that, um, I, I recently bought a couple, um, uh, monster boxes full of 91 FLIR, which is like the ugliest set ever <laughs> right. created, yeah. but, but the teachers, the teachers use them for sorting. And so they'll take it out and they'll say, hey, put everybody, put all the cardinals in a pile. And so uh, these are cool. kids with, with intellectual disabilities and they go through and they do the cardinals and then they'll sort them by numbers. And so there's a use for anything yeah. that's out there. So, yeah, I mean, and obviously monetary donations. We have a website. We have a donate link on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do PayPal and Venmo. But, yeah, really, like for the hobby, like any kind of items, we're, we're like I said, we'll accept anything. Um, and I'll make my kids sort anything that no, don't worry about sending too much. I've got two kids <laughs> that, that work for, uh, Starburst and beef jerky. So that's a good deal. That's a good, <laughs> yeah. good deal. You worked out with for your now. kids. They're cheap, they're cheap. <laughs> right they're now. They're cheap for now. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's awesome. We'll, we'll definitely link, um, your website on our show notes and, uh, you know, we have over a thousand subscribers right now to our podcast. So hopefully there's, um, yeah, collectors that want to reach out to you and to help you out. So Greg, thanks for your time again and um, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again and hope to connect soon.